0: That's where we'll begin this morning. John, the 19th chapter, is where we will be in a few short moments. Two men are on trial. One man is a thug, a rebel, and a murderer. The other man is holy, righteous, and blameless. The sentence is death. One man will live and the other will die. The decision seems obvious. You let the good man walk and the bad man dies. The governor Pilate cries out to an angry mob, which of the two would you like for me to release? They cry out, Barabbas. Pilate cries back, well, what should I do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? Crucify him, they say. Pilate says, why? What evil has he done? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They cry out all the more. When Pilate sees that he's gaining nothing and that a riot is about to ensue, he washes his hands of the matter and he says, This man's blood be on your shoulders. I am innocent of this man's blood. As wicked, as vile, and as godless as Pilate was, he had absolutely no desire to kill Jesus. He didn't want to do it. His wife was in his ear. Don't kill this man. I've been having dreams. It's not a good idea. This man is righteous. Don't do it. His conscience was bothering him. Don't do it, Pilate. This man is blameless. This man is innocent. This man has done nothing wrong. Don't kill him. Pilate had no desire to kill Jesus, and so he has a plan. He has a plan to show this crowd that this man Jesus is not who he says he is. He has a plan to show this crowd that this man Jesus is not the Son of God. He has a plan to show this crowd there's no way in the world that this man is truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he has him scourged. Jesus is stripped bare. His hands are tied to a pole. His knees are bent. His back is turned. All while sharp metal balls, lead, leather, and all sorts of objects pierce through his skin Strip through his flesh and expose his bloody, beaten, and lacerated back. But this isn't enough. This isn't enough. As they strike him again and again and again and again, the Jewish religious leaders come in and they have this makeshift crown of thorns. They, they shove it on his scalp. Blood is pouring down from his face. They're mocking him. All hail king of the Jews. They have a reed. They're striking him in the face. Blow after blow after blow after blow until his appearance is so marred. His appearance is so marred that he didn't even look human. They're striking him in the face. Blow after blow after blow after blow until his appearance is so marred that men turned and hid their faces from him. And so in John chapter 19, in verse number 4, the Bible says Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. See, I'm bringing him out to you. Look at him. He's pitiful. He's awful. He's bloody. He's beaten. He's mangled. He's been abused. There's no way in the world that this man is truly the Christ. There's no way in the world that this Jesus is who he says he is. Pilate didn't want to kill him. And he thought if he presented Jesus as a man, the crowd would be merciful and let him go. And So the question I have for you this morning is, Was Pilate right? Was Pilate right? Was Jesus a man? If we're honest with ourselves, and if we're honest with the scriptures, the answer has to be yes. Jesus was a man. In that moment in John chapter 19, he felt all of the abuse, he felt all of the pain, he felt all of the horrors of that moment. Because he was man. Yes, yes, he was the Son of God, yes, he was the King of Kings, but Jesus was man. In his prologue in John chapter 1 and verse 1, as the Apostle John is introducing Jesus to the world, he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all through him and without him nothing was made that has been made the word is Christ he was with God the father from the very very beginning of time Christ is the creator Christ is God yes yes Jesus is Lord but John drops down in verse 14 and says and the word Christ became flesh Christ became flesh and he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory Yes, He was Lord. Yes, He is the Son of God. But ladies and gentlemen, He was man. He came in the flesh and He dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. He had skin, He had bones, He had hands, He had feet, He had eyes. He was man. He was man. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking of the humility of Jesus. He says even though He was in the form of God, even though He was God, He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but what did He do? He emptied himself. He emptied himself. And when he emptied himself, he took the form of a servant. And he was born in what? The likeness of men. And he came in human form. Yes, he was king of kings. Yes, he was lord of lords. But Jesus was man when the Bible tells us that our Lord became flesh and dwelt among men, when the Bible tells us that we beheld His glory, when the Bible tells us that He emptied Himself and took the form of a servant and was born in the likeness of men, when the Bible tells us that He came in human form, that is what happened. That's what happened. And we must see His humanity. Christ came to this earth with the same physical, And emotional challenges, limitations, and weaknesses that we have today because he was man. And so this morning, my goal is to simply introduce you to Jesus, the man. Behold the man who experienced physical weaknesses. Christ had physical weaknesses. In Luke chapter 2, just before he begins his earthly ministry, the Spirit of the Lord has led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the passage says that he has been fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, and he was hungry. Our Lord experienced hunger. In Matthew chapter 21, just before he curses that fig tree, the text says that Jesus was hungry. In John chapter 19, as he's hanging between the twilights of two worlds, he's about to pour out his blood for the sins of the world. He cries out, I thirst. I'm thirsty. I'm famished. Give me something to drink. Friends, our Lord knew exactly what it felt like to need physical things. Our Lord experienced hunger. Our Lord experienced thirst. And our Lord experienced fatigue. He experienced fatigue because he was man. Time and time and time again throughout Scripture, we read of how when the Lord and his disciples are spending all of this time with people, teaching and preaching and healing and doing all of these mighty works, after they're finished, they withdraw to desolate places to spend time away from the crowd. They spent time away from the crowd so that they could rest. In Mark chapter 6, just before Jesus feeds 5,000 men with five loaves of bread and two fish. He and his disciples have been doing a whole lot of teaching and a whole lot of preaching. And Jesus tells his disciples to go to a desolate place and get some rest. They hadn't even had enough time to eat. Christ and his disciples were men. Christ and his disciples were men who experienced hunger, who experienced thirst, and who experienced fatigue. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples are on that boat, the sea is rocking and rolling. It's about to break up the ship, and the passage says that Jesus was fast asleep in the stern of the ship. Was he fast asleep to make a point to his disciples that he could sleep through anything? No, that wasn't the point. Christ nor his disciples ever perform miracles for their own good. In Mark chapter 4, when Jesus was sound asleep in that boat, He was asleep because He was so tired. He was so tired from the day before that He slept through the storm. That's why He was asleep. He was fatigued. Ladies and gentlemen, our Lord experienced physical weaknesses because He was man. In John chapter 4, just before He has a conversation with a Samaritan woman, the text says that He sat down by the well because he was wearied from his travels. Do you see it? Our Lord became flesh. Our Lord became flesh. He became just like us. He was a God who was man who experienced physical weaknesses. But not only that, Christ was a man of emotion. Just like you and I have emotions, Christ had emotions. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that Jesus Christ was not always so calm, cool, and collected. He was an emotional man. Time and time again throughout Scripture, we see how he's angry, and he's frustrated, and he's upset with the hypocrisy of the Jewish religious leaders. In Matthew chapter 27, as he's pronouncing his woes upon the Jewish religious leaders, he calls them a brood of vipers. He calls them whitewashed tombs that are full of dead men's bones. He was angry with them. He was upset with them. In John chapter 2, In John chapter 2, as he sees the Jewish religious leaders have turned the house of the Lord, the temple of God, into a place of merchandise, the passage says that he flips the tables, he pours out the money, and he gets a whip, and he drives the people out of the temple. He was a God who experienced anger. He was a God who was man who experienced anger. He was a God who was man who had compassion. Our Lord was very, very compassionate. In Mark chapter 1, in verse number 41, as Jesus is going throughout the region, a leper comes to him, begging and pleading, Jesus, please do something. Please do something. Heal me of my leprosy. The text says that Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand, and touched the man. He was a man who had compassion, In Mark chapter 6, before he feeds the 5,000, the text says that he looks at the crowds and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd and he has compassion for them. In Mark chapter 8, just before he feeds the 4,000, the text says that he looks upon the crowd and he has compassion for them because they have been with him for three whole days and they hadn't eaten. Luke chapter 7, as Jesus and his disciples are making their way into the city of Nain. A dead man is being carried out. This man was the only son of his mother who was a widow. And the passage says when Jesus looks at his mother, he had compassion for her. Yes, he was king of kings. Yes, he was lord of lords. But he came to this earth in the flesh and he had emotions. He was a man who experienced anger, he was a man who had compassion. And he was a man of sorrows. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3, the prophet Isaiah clearly tells us that Jesus, the suffering servant, was a man of sorrows who was very, very familiar and very, very acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows. He felt sadness, he felt pain, he felt agony. In John chapter 11, as He's making His way into the city of Bethany, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus has died. Jesus sees Mary and Martha weeping and crying and lamenting and pouring out their hearts to Him. He sees all of these Jews who are with Mary and Martha weeping and crying. And the text says when Jesus sees all of this commotion, when He sees all of this sadness, when He sees all of this devastation, His Spirit groaned within Him. His spirit groaned within him. And he says, where is the body? They take him to the body. and the shortest verse in scripture, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And as he's weeping, as he's crying, as he's pouring out his heart, the crowd see it and they say, see how he loved him. Jesus was so overcome with emotion, so overcome with grief, so overcome with sorrow that it was very, very apparent to all who were there that He loved this man. See how He loved him. This man is crying so hard. He's so touched. He's so upset in this moment that He must have loved this man a whole lot. Christ is king of kings, he is lord of lords, but he came to this earth as man. He had physical weaknesses, physical challenges, and he had emotional weaknesses and emotional challenges. In Mark chapter 14, just hours before he's about to pour out his blood for the sins of the world, Jesus and his disciples are making their way to the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus tells his disciples, my soul is sorrowful even to the point of death. My soul is sorrowful even to the point of death. What does that mean? That means that he is so sad, he is so distressed, he is so sorrowful that he feels like he could die. He falls down on his feet and he begins pouring out his heart to God. Please! Please, God, please, Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. This is, this is so hard. I'm not looking forward to this. This is going to be very, very painful. It's going to be a horrible, awful experience. If there's any way, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Luke tells us that he's praying so fervently that he's sweating blood passage says that an angel of the Lord appeared and was strengthening him. Why would an angel of the Lord appear and strengthen him? An angel of the Lord appeared to strengthen him because he was emotionally weak, just like we are emotionally weak. So now we're at the point in our discussion where we ask ourselves, "What's the point? Why have we spend all this time talking about the humanity of Jesus? What does this have to do with me? This has everything to do with me. This has everything to do with me because I am human. Because I am a man who has." Physical weaknesses. I am a man who's experienced hunger. I'm a man who's experienced thirst. I'm a man who's experienced fatigue. I am a man who's been angry. I'm a man who's been sorrowful. I'm a man who's been upset. I'm a man who has grieved. This has every single thing to do with me because I am human. And we can take comfort in the fact that Jesus was human as we are human. And when we see this, when we see Him in the flesh and blood, we'll have a greater appreciation for Him. We'll know and understand how He can truly sympathize with us. We'll know and understand how He can truly be a friend to us. We'll know and understand the, 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 the magnitude of love that He has for us. And with this knowledge and with this understanding, we'll be more faithful more devoted, and will glorify Him even more in all that we say and do. Because we serve a God who humbled Himself and came to this earth. He emptied Himself. He became a servant. He became a man. And He had the same physical and the same emotional challenges that you and I have today. But through it all, our God remained faithful his God. Back in Philippians chapter 2 as the Apostle Paul is talking about the humility of Jesus, he says even though Christ was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, and when he was found in human form, he became what? Obedient. He was obedient. He, hum- he was God. He was God, and- he was God, and he humbled himself. He came to this earth And He was obedient to His Father God. God the Son, obedient to His Father. Despite, despite all of the challenges, despite all of the setbacks, despite all of the pain, all of the agony, all of the grief, all of the persecution, He was obedient to His Father even to the point of death. Of death on the cross. A shameful, awful, ugly death. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, the Hebrew writer says much the same. In the days of the flesh, when Christ was man, he offered up prayers and supplications to God the Father with what? Loud cries and tears. And he was heard, why? Because of his reverence. And though he was a son, he learned what? Obedience through what he suffered and having been made perfect he is the source of eternal life for all who believe in him because he came to this earth in the flesh because he offered up prayers and supplications to god because he was reverent because he was obedient and because he was perfect he is now the head of the church ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 All things are under His feet. He now occupies the throne of God. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21. He now holds the book of life. Revelation chapter 5, verse 4 through 7. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And He has given eternal life and salvation to all who believe because of His obedience. Because he remained faithful to God despite his physical and emotional challenges. And if he can remain faithful to God despite the physical and the emotional challenges that come with being man, so can we. So can we. And so when life gets hard, when it feels like the weight of the world is on our shoulders, when it feels like we're being kicked in the gut, punched in the face, And left for dead. When you feel like throwing in the towel. When you feel like giving up. Remember that we do not serve a high priest. Who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We serve a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus Christ was tempted at all points. Just as we have been. But he was without sin. remained faithful to his God. So as we traverse through life, stay faithful, don't quit, keep working, persevere, run this race with endurance, look to Jesus, who's the author and the perfective of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and he's now seated at the right hand of So was Pilate right? Was Pilate right? Was Jesus a man? Pilate was partially right. He was wrong in his estimation of Jesus as Lord, but he was right in his estimation of Jesus as man. Christ came to this earth. He lived as a man. He suffered as a man. He died as a man but he was raised as king of kings and lord of lords. And for that, we can rejoice. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. We praise you, we glorify you, and we magnify you. We thank you so much for having so much grace and mercy that you saw fit to send your son to this earth to fix what we messed up. We thank you so much for sending him into this earth in the flesh and having him know what it means to experience physical and emotional challenges. We thank you so much that he was able to overcome those physical and emotional challenges. And we thank you for giving him the means by which he can be an advocate to us when we are weak and when we need help. We thank you so much for that great sacrifice and all that it means to us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this evening, this morning, excuse me, and you're not a Christian, this is the perfect opportunity to become one. Christ gave up a whole lot. He left his throne and he came to this earth for you. He suffered and he died for you. But he also got up for you. and Because he got up, we have hope. Hope is found in the blood of Jesus. You can have access to that blood by believing in him, repenting and turning away from your sins, confessing your belief in him, and being immersed in water, connected with his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. If you've done that before, but you've fallen away and you would like to make things right this morning, please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.